<laughs> That's a good way of getting out of it, right? It's been a while, it's been a while. Anybody has read that before? No, everybody's not looking down. It's okay, there's like no, no wrong or right answer. Recently. Okay. Recently, no. All right, so we're going to dive into this. In the second letter of Paul to Timothy, how, you know how Paul was like a, a teacher to, to Timothy, correct? So in the second letter of Paul to Timothy, Paul warns us, I want you to listen here. Paul warns us about a time when people will no longer endure sound teaching. You guys have heard that before, right? So he's basically teaching him or telling him there will come a time where people are going are not going to endure sound teaching. And what is the word for teaching? It is doctrine. So in other words, he's sending him, there's going to come a time in the future that pure doctrine is not going to be endured. People are going to make up their own doctrines. They're going to make up their own teachings. They're going to make up their own words, right? They want to establish for themselves teachers that will feed them what they want to hear. We see that. We've been one of those, right? In order to keep people in the church, we will feed them what they want to hear. But thank God he pulled us out of there. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. And we're going to put it up here. I'm going to go slow, Gabby, so that you can be putting on the, the verses. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. someone is there, say amen. 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 You have it up here? Okay, perfect. So it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Yeshua, the Messiah, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That means you really don't get to choose when you want to give a word or when you don't. It says, be ready. Be ready to what? We just read it. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. How many of you don't have patience? I don't have patience. That's one thing that I constantly ask the Lord to help me with. I don't have patience. I No, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I have patience. I have patience. I'm just working at it, you know? Hard work. And repent. Right, exactly. Everybody deals with something, right? I, I, I'm like the little ticking bombs, right? That it's like I, 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 like I don't say anything, I don't say anything, and then one day I just say everything, you know? Um, so yes, that is me. I have flaws like everybody else. Um, it continues to say, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into Miss. This is what is happening now. 
They have itchy ears and they're being led away from the truth. Now, Paul, he was concerned that these teachers will lead people away from God's truth. Now, the funny thing is that when, say, when we say, well, you need to speak the truth or you need to preach the truth or whatever it is, we, do we know what truth is unless we look for it biblically to see what it means? Because one thing I've discovered is that you don't have to guess anything. Everything is in the word. Everything that we need to know is defined in the word. So this was Paul's main concern, that the teachers will lead people away from the truth. But what is truth? Biblically, not what you think, not what your opinion is, not what you want truth to be. Hello, right? Because sometimes we want truth to be this. And it's so funny because when we want truth to be a certain thing, and we don't find it in the Bible. We make this truth our truth. Yeah. This is my truth. But that's not what truth is. Biblically speaking, what is truth? Let's put up Psalm 119, 142. Because I don't want to tell you what truth is. I want to show you in scripture what truth is. Psalm 119, 142. Your justice is righteousness forever, and your Torah is truth. With that, we can go home. It's very simple, guys. It's very simple. No, because that church preaches truth, or because this pastor preaches truth, or because, okay, perfect. Sit down in a sermon and see if they teach Torah. Because all I know is that scripture tells me that truth is Torah. If you're not being taught Torah, you're not being taught truth. It's very simple. So this was Paul's main issue. There will come a time that people will not endure truth. Let's put it in more simple ways. There will come a time that people will not endure Torah. They will not want to hear it. Right? And this was the main issue with Paul. And he was telling Timothy, be careful in these times. Be careful and alert your people. Alert your disciples about this. And so what are we doing here? We are alerting disciples to not fall into that type of mentality. Do not fall into that type of belief. Right? Look for the truth. Because scripture says that the truth will set you free. And if Psalm 119.142 tells me that Torah is truth and the truth will set you free, paraphrase that. Somebody. Torah will set you free. And who is Torah for us? Yeshua. Yeshua is Torah wrapped in skin. That's all it is. It's Joshua, Torah, wrapped in skin. So my question to you this morning is, have God's people been led away from Torah? Yes. Yes. And Paul knew this was coming. 
Paul knew this was coming because Joshua also told his disciples that this was coming. Remember, I shared it this morning. Everything that has happened from Genesis, and you know we're only in the second book of the Bible when, we're, when, it's, when it comes to studying it. We're only in the second book of the Bible, Exodus. Have you seen that the Bible is a pattern? That what happened in Genesis happened in Exodus. And what's going to happen in Exodus happened in Numbers. And what happened like that. It is a pattern. So right now, if we are living in the New Testament church, as most would say, if the Bible is a pattern, we right now are going to relive what was spoken about at the beginning of the book. Because everything is a pattern. As a matter of fact, the New Testament is basically the Old Testament reiterated. All of the apostles, all of the prophets, all of them pull, went to the Old Testament to pull their teachings from there. That is our foundation. And so Joshua warned about this. We must remember that Joshua spoke in parables. Let's look at what Mark 4, 9 through 12 says. We haven't even gotten into the parable that I want to unpack today. But I'm kind of giving you a foundation before we get into that. Mark 4, 9 through 12. Let me see if I have it here in TLB. Go ahead and, and read it. I have it. I want to read it out of the TLB version, which is what I have up here. And he said, He who hears, to, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Yeshua was alone, those around him with the twelve started asking him about the parables. And he told them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those who are outside, everything is in parables. Continue. So that seeing, they may see and not perceive. And hearing, they may hear and not understand. So they may not turn back and be forgiven. So they should be turned and be forgiven. Lest they be turned and be forgiven. So they may... So it says here in Mark, he who has ears, let them hear. Now when we're going to get into the parable of Luke, understanding it in this way, now is when we have ears to hear. Before, we didn't have ears to hear because we're not gonna, we never saw the gem that was hidden in the parable of the, of the silver missing coin. Now we have ears. So now that we have ears, let's unpack this. Amen? Let's perceive it and let's understand it. So everyone, let's go to the book of Luke. This is the parable of the, of the missing silver coin. Luke 15, 8 through 10. Everyone there? We're still in Mark over here, so we'll just wait. Perfect. It says, Or which woman, if she has ten silver coins, loses one coin? Or which woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp, 
sweep the house and search thoroughly until she finds it. When she found it, she calls together all her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I found the one coin I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I would like someone to tell me what they get from that before we proceed. Just one person. Not all at the same time, please. If Joshua, if there's one that's lost, he goes on to find that one person. Right. Could be. A lot of the times we've heard this parable as when it talks about the 10 silver coins, automatically when we hear the word 10, what do we think? The 10 lost tribes, right? We immediately think about the 10 lost tribes. The Northern Kingdom, you know, Southern Kingdom, it was divorced, coming back into the kingdom. We, we, we know that story. That's the first thing we think when we, when we talk about 10. And at a first glance, it probably seems that it's talking about the 10 tribes, you know, the ones that were lost, right? But if you read this again, the one that is lost is not 10, but one. You ready for this? <laughs> so it mentions that one was lost. And, and some people would think, oh, because he will leave the 99 and get the one. Or they would think, you know, if I'm talking about the number 10, that it's the 10 tribes. But there is a deeper, now that pastor taught about something a couple of weeks ago, there is a deeper understanding to this. The first thing I want you guys to notice is that it talks about a woman. Oh, boy. <laughs> it talks about a woman. And I, we have studied in Scripture that the woman is what? Israel. Huh? Israel. The woman is the body of Messiah. Right? Israel. Then it goes on, or the, 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 the bride, and then as we know as Joshua being the bridegroom. So the first thing it, this uh, parable is opening up with is the woman. But the woman, being the body of Messiah, she lost something. This parable doesn't say that God lost one and went to go get it. It says the woman lost one. You see how sometimes we're like, we immediately say, oh, no, the ten tribes are all the, the, the missing one. He went to go get it. But he... But it doesn't say here Messiah. It says here the woman. Is the woman Messiah? No. 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 The woman is the body. So we lost something. Can we lose the ten silver coins? No, because that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about that the woman lost one coin. Silver. And it's silver. Stop it. You're not teaching, I am. <laughs> it's silver. How we've learned... We've learned the colors, right, and the meanings. And again, we're going to go to Scripture and see what silver means. Because I don't want to tell you what silver means. I want to show you in Scripture what silver means. How do I know that the woman is the, the, the bride or the body of Messiah? Well, Matthew 25 talks about that. We talked about it before. You know the ten, the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish? Have you heard that parable before? Yes. 
right? It says that in Matthew uh, 25, 5, and you don't have to turn there. Matthew 25, 5, it says, as the bridegroom was delayed, and I love it because if, if this had anything to do with Yeshua, it would say, or which bridegroom, if he loses 10, yes, would he not, if he has 10 coins and loses one, would he not go and find it? But is it the same bridegroom? It says wife. Hey, que diga, woman. Que diga. Right? Matthew 25, 5 talks about the parable of the 10 virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. And Matthew 25, 5 says, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. All became drowsy and fell asleep. That means that we are all, if we are the body of Messiah, if we are that, that bride, then that parable says that we all fell asleep. That's why it's very important that we don't judge others that are still asleep. Amen. Because, beloved, you were asleep. Amen. Just because you were awakened doesn't mean that you can judge those who were also asleep. What is our job? Our job is to pray. Amen. Our job is to pray for our brother or a sister, or anybody that is still asleep. Even with this whole pandemic situation, I see it all the time on Instagram. Everybody, or, or, or on social media, everybody mocking everybody else because of the whole pandemic or because of the vaccine and this and, this and that. And maybe I fell into that once or twice, but I ask God to forgive me. You know why? Because they are asleep. They can't see the truth of what's going on. So instead of us mocking them, and putting memes about how ridiculous this whole situation is and how people are approaching it, you are called to pray for them. Amen. So I had to repent. I had to repent because multiple times I found myself mocking at that situation. And, and I had to ask God, help me hold my tongue because it's the same scenario as the wise and the foolish virgins. It is the same. They may be foolish because they're being wrapped up in this whole lie. And you may be the quote-unquote wise one because you see that this is, you know, a plan. But don't stand there and mock them. Because if, if it's not the situation of a vaccine, you were once also in another situation, very foolish. Very foolish. That parable says that all of the virgins fell asleep. So you were also that virgin that fell asleep. And then it also says that the re while they were asleep, the bridegroom is delayed. So I come to think about it this way. If Yeshua has still not come, that means that there's a lot of brides that need to be awakened. And it's not going to do any good for us to mock them instead of praying for them. Because the more you mock them, the more they stay there and the more our, our bridegroom delays. So it's not beneficial for any of us. You see how it is? So back to this parable. According to this parable, the woman, the bride, had 10 silver coins and lost one. Again, the Bible defines everything. I just told you through the book of Psalms what truth means. Now let's go see in scripture what silver means. Let's go to Psalm 12, verse 7. 
Psalm 12, verse 7. You guys with me? Remember, Yeshua spoke in parables to those who knew the word because the word of God is a key. The word of God is a key to unlock the meaning for the rest of the scripture. So let's see in Psalm 27, uh, 12, 7, what silver means. If someone has it, if they can read it, please. The words of Adonai are pure words, like silver refined in an earthly crucible, purified seven times. The words of Adonai are pure words like silver. Look what it compares it to. So what is truth? Torah. Torah. What is silver? The words, of Adonai. the words of Adonai. So here, silver are the words of Adonai, and we have ten coins. Pastor taught about this not so long ago. Ten silver coins equals ten words. In Deuteronomy 4.13, this is not going to be a long message, I promise. This is not going to be a long message at all. Someone has Deuteronomy 4.13, please. He declared to you this covenant, which he commanded you to do, the ten words, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. Look at what this says. I, Jenny spoke about this in, in, in the Torah portion this week. How God declared his covenant. He spoke about his covenant. But listen to what it continues to say. Which he commanded you to perform. What does that mean? I got to do it. If you have to perform something, that means you got to do it. So when you follow Torah and you do what Torah says in order to perform it, because that's his covenant, then you're lined up with scripture. Whether everyone else likes it or not. You're lined up with scripture. It clearly says here that it is 10 words. Because the word translated as commandment is not commandment. Pastor taught about this. In Hebrew, commandments mean words. So instead of us saying the Ten Commandments, according to Scripture, it's the Ten Words. It's not commandment. It's the Ten Words spoken from the mouth of Adonai. So we have truth as Torah. We have silver as the words of the Lord. And then we have the words as commandments. Are you guys following? Yes. Amen. So we're trying to break all this down. Now, considering that we know all of this already, let's apply Psalm 27 to see what these 10 silver coins says. Let's read it again. Go to, the, to Luke 15, 8 through 12. And let's plug in the definitions of the things we just found. You ready? It says, 
which or which bride, which is the woman, if she has 10 words and loses one word, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search thoroughly until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. <laughs> For I found the word I had lost. In the same way I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angel of God, thank you for not putting the O in the middle, over one sinner who repents, Teshuvah. Come on. So here, the body of Messiah lost one word. They were giving 10 words. They lost one word. So what this parable is saying is that if we lose one coin, we have lost one commandment or one word. This is exactly what Paul stated in 2 Timothy when he was saying, there will come a time when it pure and sound doctrine will not be endured. In other words, there will be a time when the words or the coins will be lost. And the teachers will keep them lost. That's why it says here that the woman, when she finds it, she has to tell the people. And she has to tell the people, we found something that was lost. Come, rejoice with me. But right now, you tell people something was lost and they'll tell you, don't open that drawer. Don't go look for it. Don't go look for it. This is what Paul was telling Timothy. There's going to come a time where people, what they've lost, they want to keep it lost. They don't want to find it. They don't want to go, they don't want to go find it. This is what Yeshua declared what happened, what happened to the woman in Matthew 25 as well, in which he said that all would fall asleep. He did not state that all of them will stay asleep. He said all will fall asleep, but only some will wake up. What is, who will wake up? Some of the body of Messiah. Some. That's why we cannot get frustrated if when we speak to someone about what we've found and they don't want to listen. It may either not be their time or they may never find it. And that is not up to you or to me to decide. All we can do is pray. So, what went missing? We already know that the woman means the body of Messiah. We already know that the silver coins means the words. We already know that he has called us to rejoice when we find the missing coin. And we already know that when the coin is found, that means that there is repentance. So what is missing? Which of the 10 coins 
or the ten words have gone missing. Shabbat. Shabbat. You speak to any believer and they all have nine out of the ten coins. You tell them don't kill, I'm okay with not killing. You tell them don't steal or be an, an you know, adulteress, don't, you know, don't you honor your mother, your father. Okay, they're, they're good with all of that. The moment you tell them Shabbat is still for us, they don't want to hear. Now you're Jewish. The missing coin. Yeshua did away with it. Now you observe Shabbat. Now you're Jewish. Did you convert to Judaism? <laughs> well, he did because he circumcised my heart. No, I'm not a Jew. No, I didn't convert. I didn't have to get circumcised. <laughs> I lost the coin and I found it. I lost the word and I found it. It's not Messiah that lost anybody. It's the woman, us. We lost it. And so the moment you say we're going from Sunday to do service on Shabbat because we lost something, got empty chairs everywhere. Because they don't want to go look for it. They don't want to admit that something was lost out of the 10 words. That's why it's the only one that says, remember, it's like Messiah telling us, remember, you had 10 now. You lost one. Go get it. Mm. Remember, don't forget, all of you were sleeping, but I have a purpose for those who want to be wise and want to wake up. This blew my mind. This blew my mind. But I said, parables are just so amazing. Look at what Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15 says. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Let me go here in the TOV. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. <laughs> I can't. That word is just... <laughs> I don't know why I have such a hard time saying that word. Deuteronomy. I got it. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. It's amazing how, how the Torah is that you get to understand. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. Exactly. After, but after, that's why he tells... Um, Timothy, those who have ear, let them hear. Because everybody has an ear physically, but not spiritually. We didn't have that spiritual ear. We didn't have those spiritual eyes. Or the willing heart. That's why when you find it, it's because your ear has been unclogged. Como que they put a Q-tip in there, cleaned it up, and said, Rejoice, your ears have been cleaned. Now you can hear. Now you can see. You see all that religion has taken from you? All that the myths that have been taught, like Paul told Timothy. Another interesting thing is that after Torah, I don't know if it happens to you, like every time God reveals something, don't you rejoice? Yes. yes, but but wait, because you're getting ahead of yourself, well, ahead of me. What is Shabbat? 
Shabbat is a feast. You know, there is, a lot of people say the seven feasts of God. No, there's actually eight because Shabbat is a weekly feast. What, do you, what does Yahweh tell us in Scripture to do in the feast? Rejoice. <laughs> so we can take everything back to Scripture if you want. It's all there. If you don't begin to unpack Scripture this way, you're going to be fooled by the myth of the people that want to teach you whatever they want to teach you. You got to read script, Guys, those who love to study the Word, Scripture interprets Scripture. If you come across something that you don't understand, don't ask anybody. Look for it in Scripture. I highly doubt that it's not going to be there. Because everything, and that's why it's so important to, to, to study the Hebraic aspect of Scripture. Because the root meaning of words give it a whole new panorama. You begin to say, wow, nobody showed me, like nobody taught me this. I sat all my life in a church and all they did was tell me grace covers it all. Happy, happy Sunday, go home. But nobody showed me how to study scripture. Nobody showed me how to study scripture. They grabbed one verse from the Bible and preached on it for one and a half hour. And would hype you up. We were there. We were so there. And the louder we would sing, the more the spirit will be there. <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. The spirit is here when two or more are gathered in his name. Not how loud the drummer can go. Yeah, I would love to have a band, but we don't. But you know what? YouTube gives us a different artist every week. <laughs> every week I have a different... Nobody has that. But we do. Look at what Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15 says. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your sons or your daughters or your male servants or your female servants or your ox or your donkey. This was back in the day when people had donkeys. Or any of your livestock or the sojourner, or the sojourner who is within your gates. You know who that sojourner is? You and I. The Gentiles. The former Gentiles. That your male servants and your female servants may rest. What do you do in Shabbat? You rest. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land. I want you to listen to this, please. It says you must remember or you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Remember the Israelites. We're studying this, right? God, come on, there it is. God told Moses Go tell Pharaoh, these are my people, get them out of Egypt. I don't want them to be slaves. I don't want them to be under bondage anymore. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. How does this pertain to me? Was I physically in Egypt? No, but spiritually I was because I was, a bond, I was in bondage to sin. The moment Yeshua 
came into my heart. I was released from any sin, okay, washed from any sin, and now I'm in, no longer in spiritual Egypt. Now I'm free. The same way the Israelites that were in physical Egypt were free because of what God did for them. Very simple, right? You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out. Now look at what this scripture is talking about. It is combining the Sabbath with being free from Egypt. Because we'll read it and we won't understand what we're, what we're talking about. Right? Because he could have said, remember the Sabbath, six-day work, the seventh-day, okay, period. But he kept on going. He says, because I'm telling you to remember the Sabbath, I also want you to remember how I freed you from slavery in Egypt. So what does the Sabbath have to do with slavery? Sabbath, obviously, is a day of rest. But why is he combining? Why does he say, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. How many people still work on the Sabbath? After knowing this truth. They still do. They ignore. They hide the coin. They hide the coin. That coin doesn't, doesn't benefit me. I have to tell the electrician guy to come on Saturday. I just have to. I got to tell the guy that fixes my air to come on Saturday because I just have to. I have to get a part-time job on Saturday because I want to have extra money. Listen, the more you work, the more you spend. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, honor the Sabbath for the love of God. That's right. so true. It's so true. You think that you're working more, you're going to save more? No, at the end of the day, reality is the more you work, the more you spend. Yes. Mm -hmm. You work more so you can spend more. That's the truth. Flesh. It's the flesh. It clearly tells you, don't work and don't tell anybody to come to work for you. It's simple. Guys, it's 24 hours you give to God and you honor. It's not, it's not a big deal. He gives you the rest of the week. But we just can't. And, we can't. and, and I'm talking to myself too. I'm talking to myself too because sometimes I find myself doing things. I'm like, oh my God, wait, hold on. This is Sabbath. I'm talking to myself too. The guy was coming to cut the grass in my house. On Saturday, I told Pastor, "Can you tell the guy not to come cut my grass on Saturday, please?" No, the guy has to come fix the sprinklers. Tell the guy not to fix the sprinklers on Saturday, please. And these people look at us weird. Saturday is the busiest day. That's when I can go cut your grass. Then don't come cut, cut down. Don't come cut my grass. Come on Tuesday. Come on Wednesday. Come on Thursday. Because it's I'm trying to honor this. It's not easy, but. God sees the intention. God sees your heart. God sees it. Because I found a coin and I want to rejoice. Amen. How can I find a coin and then rejoice and, and, and then tell people about it, but then not really put the coin to practice? So, Sabbath, Friday to sundown, from sundown to Saturday, sundown, 24 hours. That's what it is. Scripturally, that's what it is. And again, we only teach you what scripture says. What you do with your 
Shabbat is up to you. That's not for me to tell you. I'm telling you what scripture says. And I'm encouraging you as your pastor, right? That's my job. If I wouldn't be telling you this, I wouldn't be doing the work that we've been called to do. So it says, remember the Sabbath. Remember in Exodus 5, and this is what I, what I told you, pay attention to what Deuteronomy was telling you. Remember in Exodus 5, when we studied Exodus 5, that right before God was going to free his people, there was a decree given by Pharaoh. And the decree was, we will no longer give you, what was it? Wick or straw for your bricks. Do you remember that part? There was a decree given by Pharaoh. The Israelites were the ones that were that was building the city. And they would work and work and work. And they would make the bricks out of straw. But the straw was provided to the Israelites. But now, because Pharaoh was so upset at what was going on, he said, I want the Israelites to work the same, but now I want them to go and look for their own straw. I want them to work more. I know God is trying to free them from slavery, but I want them to work more. Please connect the dots on what I'm telling you right now. That's why God in Deuteronomy talked about the Sabbath and then he talked about freedom from Egypt, from slavery. Because what happens when we find the coin, but we hide the coin or ignore the coin, we are putting ourselves under bondage and we're putting ourselves under Egypt again. That's why he tells you, remember the Sabbath, remember I freed you from Egypt. Remember when you were doing everything with, with bricks, but no longer was wick provided for you or straw provided for you? Why? Because Pharaoh wanted you to work more, to keep you more enslaved. What is it about our society right now that we have to work on Saturdays? Because society wants to keep you enslaved. So you're going back to Egypt, you're going back to bondage when you say, I know about the Sabbath, but I choose to work. God is telling you, remember my Sabbath, I freed you. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to Egypt. If not, he wouldn't mention Egypt in the same verse as the Sabbath. That's why parables are so important because in the parables, God is reminding us, again, there was something lost. Now you found it. It's a feast. Rejoice. Tell your friends about it. And repent. So to ignore the Sabbath, according to God's own words, is to place yourself back in the same bondage as when you were in Egypt. Work, work, work. There's no rest. Why do you think we have a shortage of food? Because scripturally, we're supposed to give a rest a Sabbath to the land every seven years, I believe. Yes. Seven years. How perfect is God, right? right? To give a chance for it to reproduce. But because everything is about work and work and work and no Sabbath, the coin is lost, keep it lost, nobody find the coin. That's why now you go and they have a sign that says, a pack or two packs of chicken per person. Please don't be greedy. I want to put a sign that says, let the land rest so we can have food. Let the chickens have their Shabbat. <laughs> For the love of God, let the land rest. But here's the enemy. Here's the enemy. And, 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 and the teachers that are out there teaching, don't worry about the Sabbath. They're involved in all this. 
And it's not the person, it's the spirit that wants to continue blinding the people. Not only do I want you to rest because I want you to forget about the Sabbath because it was done away with. Not only do I want you to rest, but I don't want the land to rest either because the land doesn't deserve a Shabbat either. So now people are not resting. The land is not resting. That's why we are in the chaos that we are in. And nobody sees this. And many have found the coin, but on purpose have hit it again. Because it's not convenient. Because they're most productive on Saturdays. Who told you that? Don't you know that if you honor the Sabbath, God will make you as productive, if not more, than those who work, work, work on the Sabbath? Proven fact. Start honoring the Sabbath the way it is, and you're going to see how God is going to honor that. And they're going to ask you, how is it that you do it being Saturday such a productive day? Because I honor the Lord. Because I found the coin and I rejoice. Because I lost something. And I found it. And any time in scripture that you honor God, you will be compensated. Because that is the God that we serve. And let's just say, let's just say that we don't really have to observe the Sabbath. Let's just throw it out there. When you are face to face with God and you tell him, Lord, I honored your set apart and holy day. The one you said to remember. Do you think he's going to tell you, I do not know you, depart from me? No, you're not going to be one of those people. You're going to be one of those people that are going to please him because you honored him. So that is a good defense that you have before God to say, I honored the day that you set apart. Do you think God had to rest on the seventh day? No, he's omniscient. He doesn't need to rest. He's all powerful. He's omniscient. He does not need rest, but he did it because he wanted to leave an example. God doesn't have to do anything. But he did it for you and me the same way he gave his son for you and me. So, back to Matthew 25. All have fallen asleep and all have been led away from the truth. So how many are going to wake up? How many are going to wake up? That is something that you and I cannot, we'll never know. But the parable tells us that some will wake up because the friends, they gather and join together to rejoice together. When we find the coin, we are to rejoice and to let others know. Also, notice that this parable finishes with the word repent. That the one from the body of Messiah, whoever finds that missing coin and rejoices, is full of joy and repents. What is the Hebrew word for repent? Teshuvah. What does teshuvah mean? To return. Hold on. What does teshuvah mean? Repent means teshuvah in Hebrew. Teshuvah means to return. If someone asks you, okay, to return, what do you have to return to? Go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. Find what you lost. 
and put it to practice. Because if, if, if you're walking and walking and God tells you, or you find it in your heart, or God puts it in your heart to repent, and repent means teshuvah, and you need to turn back, that means you are in a place where you're not supposed to be in. So you have to do a 180 and walk back. To what? To the ancient path. And in the book of Jeremiah, it says that we are to look for the ancient path and follow it. So we are to teshuvah and go back to Torah, to truth. So, or which bride, if she has 10 words and loses one word, does not light a lamp. Can somebody please tell me what lamp is scripturally? Come on, it says it. I want the song. I know it's in the Psalms. Go ahead, my friend. Uh, you can put it up. What is it, 105? 119, 105. 119, 105. Song? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I wanted to. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is a lamp? Word. There's that word again. Light to my path. Your word is a lamp. So. Or which bride, if she has 10 words and loses one word, does not like a word, <laughs> sweep the house and search thoroughly until she finds it. You have, to, you have to begin to plug in scripturally what these words mean. It's talking, all of this parable is talking about his Torah. It's talking about his Torah. What are the words of Yahweh? His, his, his 10 words. She sweeps the house and searches thoroughly until she finds it. You know what that means? You have to be intentional with the word. You have to be intentional and consistent. Anything you do in life consistently pays off. It doesn't say that she sweeped it once. She says, it says that she looked for it thoroughly and she did not stop sweeping until she found it. You do not stop getting in the word until you find answers. If there's something that's off, if there's something you don't understand, if there's something that's not clear, continue sweeping, my friend. Continue looking for it because God will reveal it. Intentionality. When she found it, she calls together her friends. That means, give by grace for what by grace you have received. Tell the people. Come on, a lot of you have found the truth, but are too ashamed to share it. And that's the truth. Too ashamed to share it because of what are they going to think of me? What is my family going to think of me? What are my friends going to think of me? What are my coworkers going to think of me? Who cares? None of them pay your rent. None of them provide for you. God does. He's the one that you should honor. He's the one that you should obey. And he's the one that you should please. 
So when she has found it, she calls together her friends. What do you do on Shabbat? You get together. <laughs> you gather. And neighbors saying, rejoice, feast day, I found it. I found the feast day, the, the one that was missing. With me, for I found the word I had lost. In the same way, I tell you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who returns to Torah. Yes, Jenny. Teacher. Teacher. <laughs> um, what comes to mind now is I know when we accept Yeshua as our Lord and Savior, and when they do the calling, they say that once we take that step, the angels are rejoicing with us because of one taking that step. And Yeshua is the word. So it means that meaning that when we do that, then we found the word, which is Yeshua, the Torah, and then we decide to follow him. Well, here's a difference with that. <clears throat> Finding Yeshua is not the end, it's the beginning. Right, find the word. So that's where it begins. Well, he, but, but, but in Christianity, they tell you, well, in the modern day Christianity, because we're Christians too, just we have a different understanding. But they tell you that it's the best decision you've made in your life, which it is. Joshua is the best decision. But that's just the beginning of you following him. You found him, but now you got to follow him. A lot of people find him, but don't follow him. That's the difference. Yeah. But once you understand that he is the Torah, right? Then you know why you follow. Right. But here it is: when you come, when you come to Yeshua, and you begin to that spirit begins to work in your heart, and there's things you gotta let go of because the thing is that the spirit is not gonna. You're not gonna find Yeshua, and the spirit is gonna leave you alone. You're gonna begin to feel convicted of certain things. You're gonna feel a lot of people ignore that conviction. The more you ignore the conviction after you meet Jesus, the more the Spirit stops convicting you. That's how it works. Because all of, you, all of us feel convicted on things that we do. Not all of us turn away from the things that we do. So we ignore conviction. And we ignore, and we ignore. And I'll repent later. And I'll do it, but I'll repent later. And God, well, God knows my heart. That's the problem. God knows your heart. And scripture said the heart is deceitful above all things. So the more you ignore that conviction, the more, the less conviction you're going to have. And then when you feel in that place where you're alone or God is far, or God, God never moves. It's us, the one who move from God. He's still in the same place. But the more that we move away and the more we ignore conviction is the more we feel lonely without the spirit. Yes or no? Yeah. And that's when we find ourselves in a place where we're like, where's God? I feel alone. He doesn't love me. He's not with me. I don't feel his presence. Whose fault is that? Not his. Because finding Jesus is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of you aligning yourself to the word. There is no sinner that can align its, him, themselves to the word without the spirit. Amen. You cannot. That's why the first step is Jesus. The first step is Jesus. 
You receive the spirit. Now you align yourself to the word. That's the hard part. It's very simple to go to the front and repeat the words of the pastor. Very simple. Tell me what I got to say, I'll say it. Tell me where to sign, I'll sign. Because I'm in a desperate situation right now. How many of us found Jesus in a desperate situation? 99.9% of the people. They're in a desperate situation. They're like, oh, I remember my mom said Jesus is the way. Let me go to church. Let me give my life to God. Beautiful. Very emotional. Very emotional. Everybody's singing for you. You got angels of heaven. You know, the band is playing the right tune. Everything's fine. But then when you leave the doors, the band is not with you. The pastor's not with you. Come on. It's you and the spirit. It's you and the word. And it's you and your own convictions. And if you don't say, I understand that Jesus was my first step, but now my only step. Then you're going to feel alone. You're going to feel nothing ever really happened that day that you approached the, the altar. That's why people, how many times have you seen people go to the altar multiple times to give their life to God? And they tell you, but you already accepted. I need to accept them again. No, that's not the, the problem. The problem is not that you don't have them. The problem is that you don't follow him. That's the problem. Because the moment you follow him, you feel him. Amen. Amen. Write that down. <laughs> the moment you follow him, you feel him. You stop following him, you feel alone. You feel abandoned. You feel in a desert. So, repent is return. Return to what you once found. Return to what you once had. Return to my words, all of them, not nine of them. Return and go look for the one that you lost because the one that you lost is the one you're missing. How many of you have felt that coming to Torah or having the understanding of Torah is a different type of shalom? It's a different type of rejoice. I may be alone because not, not a lot of people agree with my perspective, but it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now I understand why scripture says that he gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is so true. Amen. Now I understand what that scripture says. I don't need to be surrounded with an entourage to feel the shalom of God. I have his word. I have his, the silver coins. Come on, somebody. All of them. I found what I've been missing. Because all my life I've been a Christian. But now, now that I found that coin that is missing is where I feel complete. Amen. I do. Literally, I feel complete. And there's a lot of Christians that feel something is missing. They don't know what it is. It's that coin that they lost. I'll never look at this parable again. The same in my whole entire life. And like this is every parable. There's hidden treasures. There's so many things that you pull out of. They're keys to a successful life. Listen to what um, Psalm 89:30, and with this we'll finish. Psalm 89:30. I think I wrote that wrong. Um, if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to... No. 31. 
if his sons forsake my Torah, listen to what it says, if his sons forsake my Torah and do not walk in my judgments, if they violate my decrees and do not keep my mitzvah, which is my words, my commands, then I will punish their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with flogging. But I will not withdraw my loving kindness from him, nor will I betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant, nor alter what my lips have uttered. Listen to what that says. He is telling us that what he uttered, he's not going to change for you. What he uttered, he is not going to change to suit the tickling ears of the people that sit in church. I will not violate my covenant, and he says, I will not alter my word. Alter means change. He's not going to do it. The ones that need to alter anything is you and me. The ones that need to change anything is you and me. He is that he is. Come on, Jenny. He is that he is. What is God? He just is. Like, is. Like, everything. You, you, can't, you can't explain God. God is everything. Like, you go outside and you look at a plant. That's God. You look at everything, the texture. He just is. You know the word I-S? Big I-S? That's God. And Jenny was explaining that in Israel, this word, you cannot use it. You cannot, word, you cannot use the word is in Israel. So in other words, you can't say, she was saying, you can't say I am hungry. Because he is I am. So you have to say, I hungry. <laughs> I, no, for real. I, I, I hunger or I hungry or... What'd you say? You can't, the, the table is big. You can't say is. You have to say the, the table big. You sound like a kid again. No wonder, no wonder God said you have to return like being a kid. You have to go back to being a kid. You must be as a child to enter the kingdom of God. Don't children talk like that? Children talk like that. I, I hungry. I, I this. I, whatever. Yeah. They talk like that. That's how children talk. And scripture says to enter the kingdom of God, you got to return to being a kid. Because your stage, you're, we're doing that. We're not supposed to. That is only for God alone. So, he is. And that is all he is. Whether we agree or not. So, the only thing that needs to alter is us. The only thing that needs to be changed is our perspective and our understanding of Scripture. That's why we need knowledge. I say it all the time. Scripture says, people, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You don't know Scripture, you're running a risk of being destroyed. This is all that Scripture says. So, yes? Yes? <laughs> Go ahead. I want to finish here. Come on. <laughs> oh, 
Good. First Corinthians two. Let's put it up. Um, First Corinthians two. Seven to nine or seven to ten. It relates to the teaching now. And now I understand it now. Let's put it up. Let's see what it says. What that means. What does it say? <coughs> the sons of Carmi. No, is that it? Not Chronicles. Yo digo, ¿quién es Carmi? La vecina. Carmelita. What is it? Uh, First Corinthians. First Corinthians two seven. First Corinthians, not not two. First, first, that second. El primero. There's two books of those, Gabby. How many books of John's are they? How many books of John's are they? Four. Four. Because you have the book of John, and then you have one, two, three. One, two, three. Four books of John's. Okay. What does it say? Rather. Go ahead. Can you read that for me? Sure. It says, rather we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom that has been hidden. Oh, wow. Which Come on. God destined for our glory before the ages. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as is written, things wow. no eye has seen and no ear has heard that have not entered the heart of mankind. These things God has prepared for those who love. Prepared for those who love yeah. Him. Please find me that scripture. I was, I'm not gonna go, lie. go, find me that scripture. I was gonna Prepare read for those who love. Because we're in one spirit. <laughs> I have, look, it, I have it right here. Okay, but what is it? What is it? John 14, 15. John 14, 15. And this one is the last one. For the prepared for the feast. So hold on. Hold on. No saltering. Mira. The good, the, the, the hidden things. The hidden things. Okay. Hidden wisdom are for those who are prepared, for those who love them. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you see how scripture all comes together? There is no one que te pueda decir un paquete. Yeah, we're definitely not putting this teaching up. Yes, we are. Shalom to all of you. Okay? No one can tell you anything. Everything that you learn, you have to show it to me in scripture. He says that the hidden things in, in first, um, Corinthians, first Corinthians, what? Two. Two. He said the hidden things, the hidden wisdom were prepared for those who love him. Who are the ones who love him? Those who tell him? No, those who show him. If you love me, go back to that scripture. If you love me, you will keep my commandment. It doesn't say, if you love me, you will tell me. It says, if you love me, you will do something about it. You will keep the words. And if you lost the word, go find it. Because when you find it, you will rejoice and you will testify and go back to God. Come on. So, this is the parable. You know, it's the parable, when people say, oh, parable, it's gonna be, it's gonna be nice. No, it's gonna be filled. Filled with beautiful, beautiful things. So, to be asleep, but to wake up and to realize you went missing of a word and to look for it and to find it and to rejoice when you found it and to tell everyone that you know 
about it is what is happening now in the body of Messiah. Amen. And in this plan, you and I are a part of it already. And with that, I can rejoice. Amen? Let's get up on our feet this morning. Yes? You know how they say that, that he spoke in parables because for Satan not to understand. I, I, I heard people say that. That it was all because the devil. But then now you're saying that that was for the people that know the word. Right. And he knows the word. The, the enemy knows the word better than you and I. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Correct. he knows the word better than you and I. He, 